All right, just a quick disclaimer. Um, these are all thoughts, you know, not to be taken completely seriously. This is introspective discourse. Um, mostly just talking about theories and ideas, not to be taken in reality. Anything I say or do, I say I did or didn't do, probably did or did not happen. Um, you know, this is basically a legal disclaimer. You never know <coughs> what people might try to say or do. So, yep, uh, hopefully y'all had a good week. Enjoy the episode, and uh, here you go. All right, let's talk about some current events. So we had Beyonce and Drake. Drake performed at the Apollo. He had an amazing lineup, apparently. Got to go back and do some Drake songs. Might throw some of those on there for Music of the Week. Um, In future weeks, I already did. We got Sayarita Kid coming up this week. But um, Beyonce went to Dubai and performed, and she got some LGBTQ backlash. No one really cares, Beyonce. Go get that money. Um, like, it's it's not a big deal. Like, yeah, she de- performed in Dubai. And the LGBTQ community is like, well, Dubai doesn't like us. Beyonce does not care, bro. Beyonce trying to get this bag. She married to Jay-Z. What you mean? We on building. Building stuff. Like, we ain't. She She did not go over there thinking about y'all at all. Period. So they could get over that real quick. And then you got George Soros, fat liar, getting caught in all the lies. Yeah, bullshit. I mean, you should have never, we should have never believed anything he said. Got caught him dancing out in, I think, Brazil. Like, bruh, the world is clown world we're living in right now. Like, come on, George. You're about to get put out. Probably should go to jail for lying. And then we have this, there's a case in Atlanta about, uh, whew, LGBTQ community is getting going to be getting some uh, some heat for this. Uh, this gay couple found out they were selling their kids into sex slavery. Uh, so, I mean, we got to watch out for people, bro. We need to. I don't know. It, there's always going to be a trade off between liberties and freedoms. Versus protection. The more liberties and freedoms you have, the more at risk you are um, in society. Because then you have to protect yourself. You can't enjoy things as much. But the safer you are, the less liberties and freedoms you do have. And so, you know, we're constantly walking this line. And as the as the United States gets bigger and expands, you can see this liberties and freedoms starting to contract as our country has to forge a way forward through progress. And there are going to be good things and bad things about it. But, man, one thing that they need, they need to fix is the adoption system. It's probably one of the worst systems civilly that we have in the United States. And it's really sad to see uh, when things like this happen. And I don't really think it's an LGBTQ problem as much as it is an adoption agency problem. They should have known or known the risk or had someone help assess uh, or do checkups because man, that is brutal to happen as a child. You don't know anything, but yeah, there we go. That's current events. All right. So as far as TV goes, diving into mayor of Kingstown, it's getting pretty intense. So just finished the second episode and (coughs) big bad villain psycho guy who's like orchestrating things in season one he's definitely got this girl under Stockholm um Hawkeye man 
the guy who plays Hawkeye. I, I'm gonna have to get these characters, actors' names right at some point, but we're gonna go with what I know them as right now. He's got way too much on his plate, man. The gangs are coming after each other. He's right. There's no leadership on the inside. This little maneuver he's trying to do with putting all the leaders on the inside that are on the outside on the inside, it's not going to work well. It's too um, big of a jump, but makes for good TV. No joke. Um, watch Your Honor episode one. That show is still excruciating, man. Jeez. <sighs> Really, really brutal there. So, hopefully, um, it lightens up. But about to have a whole gang war. Um, the judge is about to have to go undercover. So, even more bull crap is going to be intense there. We don't know what. Um, well, we don't know what. The mob boss is going to do, and we don't know what his daughter's going to do. We don't know about the teacher that was having an affair with the son. I don't know what she's going to do. It's crazy. But that's Your Honor and Mayor of Kingstown. Are you the one? First two episodes were a little underwhelming, but the drama seems like it's going to heat up later. So I think I'm going to start my pod on that um, probably today. So keep your eyes out and open for that. But yeah, um, not really impressed with the TV situation. Still watching Star Trek Discovery, which hasn't disappointed. I I would recommend it. And yeah, it's about it for TV. All right, let's talk about football. So we got the Kansas City Chiefs. Versus the Cincinnati Bengals. And then we got the 49ers, San Francisco 49ers versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Two amazing games, okay? Let's talk about Bengals versus Chiefs. Now, y'all know his name. Y'all know his name. It is Patrick Mahomes. He is not a joke. Okay, look at the past two years. He's going to be a beast. Travis Kelsey... Put some respect on that name, bro. Kansas City Chiefs are the favorite to me to win the whole thing. Uh, Pat, like you can just go look at their performance um, last game. <clears throat> Even though Patrick Mahomes was hurt, uh, he came out there and did what needed to be done. That's a beast mode right there. And then their backup quarterback is a beast. So let's let's not even play with Kansas City. Let's not even you know, but. I will say they do have one kryptonite, and it is Joey B. That's the dark horse right there. The Bengals, they're they're a tough team, bro. Don't go don't go messing with them. Jamar Chase and Joey B, that's a that's a combo right there, man. So, I mean, Joey B is an impressive quarterback too. I mean, he calm. He's not really a runner. He's a pocket player. You know what I'm saying? And he do that thing great, bro. He played at LSU. His team looks up to him. He is not a joke. Patrick Mahomes can do everything. But Joey B looked like he got that Tom Brady in him, no joke. And then 49ers and Philly. Now, the 49ers defense is going, they're going to try to go to work. And Jalen Hurts, I mean, he could do his thing, but it's going to be, I mean, the 49ers got weapons on weapons on weapons on weapons. So 
I mean, Debo, Christian McCaffrey, they're going to go to work. Now, I think the key here is going to be Brock Purdy. How well does he play? Okay. Can he handle the Philadelphia defense? Can he hit passes? Can he not throw interceptions? I think he's been pretty lucky so far. I mean, I'll give it to him. He he did his thing coming up as a backup, you know. But uh, I don't I don't have that much faith in him. I think this is just him playing at a, at. It's like beginner's luck, you know what I'm saying? They're starting to get a sense for him, and once they break him down, it's gonna be over. So I'm taking Philly uh, out of that, and then I'm taking Kansas City. Kansas City versus Philly. I'd take Kansas City. Now, if the Bengals win, I guess I'm going to go with the Bengals too. Like, I'm just going with whoever comes out that game. I really think that's going to be the Super Bowl match, Kansas City versus the Bengals. But, I mean, they're going to be two really, really good games. I'm going to definitely come back here and hopefully talk about them. You know, give it up for Trevor Lawrence. It's not his time yet. You know, but he will be. That's a deadly man right there. Trevor, once he, you know... Does his little learning, gets a little more experience. Oof. Like four years in, Trevor's going to be a monster quarterback. So definitely look out for them. And then the Cowboys, you know, everybody likes to troll the Cowboys, but it it is kind of sad to see, you know, Dak. I don't think he's got much left in him. I think they're going to have to blow it up. So uh, that's that. All right, let's talk about love languages. Oh, so what is there like touch, gift giving, uh, time spent, words of affirmation? Yeah, I'm not very big on love languages because I think love is more of a will than it is a language. I think um, everyone has the capability and just the innate uh, ability to feel love and know when they're being loved. I think love languages are kind of an excuse uh, to kind of either one, pressure someone into doing something you actually prefer and two, or two, like an excuse for why like they aren't trying or say you aren't trying. I mean, there are all ways to show love, that's for sure. But, like, as determining them as languages, like how how I show my love, like I can show my love out, way outside of the love languages. Um, you could show love by self-sacrifice. You could show love by, uh, like, just just by thinking of someone or, you know, I uh, coming back to his love and action. Um, I don't really think love is an action. I think it's an intention and will. And I think that I guess this is more of an Eastern view on it. I think as long as your intentions and your will is aligned with love, then it's love. You know, I don't think that you can solely base someone's emotional feelings about something or prove love just based off an action because actions can be lies just like you can lie with your words you can definitely lie with your actions and somebody might spend a lot of time with you but that doesn't mean it's love so i think we really need to like focus more on the intentions behind love instead of you know the way we receive it like if someone does something the why is so much 
the why is almost, <clears throat> well, this, here's the thing. In a lot of other circumstances, the outcome definitely outweighs the intention. Like when we're talking about morals, definitely the outcome weighs the intention. But when you're talking about love, it's different. And I think a way to realize this is like uh, hate, right? So someone could be doing really well, right? And if you hate them, even though they performed a super good outcome, you're going to look at what they didn't do. And that to you is going to be the win. It's even though the outcome was clearly a win for them, you don't view it as that because you hate them. And that to you, in it's internal. That to you is more important than the actual outcome. Even though the outcome can be objectively viewed as a win for them, you still view it as a loss because of your uh, dislike or disdain for them. And that to me... That says something to say about the because like, love is an internal. So if internally you felt like they lost, it's due to the hate, and that will give you some sort of satisfaction compared to realizing the reality of that they're doing okay. Do you see what it, it, it's kind of a hard concept to kind of ride out there inside versus outside? I think definitely love is an internal thing. Therefore, the perception of the intention matters more than the actual outcome. Uh, so yeah, I mean, love languages are are weird. I might touch on this again at a different date and go into more depth, but that's just kind of like my initial kind of thoughts on it. I definitely lean towards love being an intention and will more so than a language. Um, but yeah, I mean, that goes into the actions versus words debate and all that. So, yep. All right. Um, a little bit of dating topic we're going to get into. We're going to get a lot like uh, we're going to hit a few things. So starting off, Blueface and Creshawn. Now this, oh my goodness, bro. I've been hating this. Like it's not classy. It looks like it's abusive. It's nasty. It's not even, really, it's not even that entertaining to me. It's actually sad. And it, it just paints such a dark view of black love. I just, oof, he needs to get up out of that. Um, to me, it might be a grift. Maybe they're doing it for views. I don't know. But Blueface and Krishan is just not the move. Like, you don't want to be in a relationship like that. And then uh, there's, it's not really a hot topic, but I'll give my opinion on it right now. I kind of believe in a relationship if you as the guy are capable of paying for a lot of amenity like if you have the money to me you should you should pay and just as the guy it's nice it's courteous and it's it, it makes a good impression you know what i mean it <clears throat> not that you have to but i mean in most situations you're going to be more appealing like if you're on a first date if you pay. Now it doesn't have to do be that every time if if she really sticks it up and is like, "Hey, I got you next time." Let, let her do her thing, but also might be a sign she might just be wanting to be friends. So, I mean, I definitely think if you got it, pay and if not, I mean, find something you can pay or or let them know because 
it's it just it's just feels like the right thing to do and it's kind of the societal standard right now for the for guys to pay so I think if you're a guy you should go ahead and pay and then <clears throat> kind of going back into the love languages talk um the other part of expressing there's expressing love and then there's dealing with hate and there's kind of uh, the idea that there's three different types of people and how people deal with conflict mainly you have people who want to directly confront the conflict right at that moment. You have people who need time and they might want to come back to the conflict or they need to cool down. And then you have people who kind of just completely dissociate from the problem, essentially blow it up. And uh, I think that these things are like when we uh, encounter emotional distress, it's similar to fear in that you get a primal response not primal in the sense of evolution, but primal in the sense of this is how you start dealt with conflict since you were very young or is the cardinal way you deal with conflict, right? And I think when if you don't understand the way other people, the person you have the conflict with deals with conflict, you may get into this self-destructive cycle of you have someone who explodes while the other person's trying to talk through it with them or you have them running away while you're trying to talk to them and you talking to them either makes them explode more or run away more or you have someone who just never wants to confront the problem and um, like they never have time to cool down because the other person keeps exploding on them. You really, it's really, really good to try to find people or understand people's ways of dealing with conflict because one, it can help you prevent conflict from happening and two when you run into conflict it allows you to deal with it slightly better so is it a it's not something easy to do because you do have to swallow your pride you do have to swallow your anger you kind of have to be aware it's a really self-aware thing but i think it really helps if you can understand kind of someone's hate language or their their how they disagree or how they deal with conflict so I find that pretty interesting, and that's kind of – I wanted to touch on that since I touched on love language. So, yeah, and then that's, that's going to do it for that section. And then I guess I'll touch on this too. There's uh, There's kind of this concept like that confidence is – like kind of self-help or um, being selfless is kind of a form of like being selfish is kind of a form of self-help. And it, I don't really think it is. I think when you're ever you're thinking about yourself or whenever you're concerned with who what's going on with you, um, it's not as self-help as we would like to believe because the more like you can try to when you're thinking about yourself you're going to think positive and negative and most of the time people are much better at thinking about the negative so i like confidence and selfishness is more or less Confidence isn't self-help because it's something you have to train. It's something you have to 
kind of work at and build rather than care to. And then selfishness, it, it the problem with that is is that the more we do for ourselves, the less we kind of feel worthy of what we have, I feel. I think if you do something for others or you do something for a different purpose, it kind of that is better self-help because it gives you something to look back on that you accomplished rather than saying like I'm going to stay in today and not do anything and not help anyone. Like sometimes you need those days to yourself, but I feel like that's going to make you feel worse about yourself um rather than usually help you. And it's kind of a it, this this topic is a little I guess airy, it's not really tight in my mind, but it was just something I was thinking of and wanted to touch on and thought you guys might appreciate. All right, going into a little philosophy. So uh, the topic I want to talk about today is stoicism or being stoic. And my my kind of general advice or general um, like kind of the positives. The positives of being stoic is that it keeps you pretty centered, pretty grounded. It keeps you up to snuff. It's, uh, it keeps you humble and it, uh, it creates this kind of deep feeling of gratitude with inside you. And, uh, let's get a definition real quick. So as a noun, it is a person who can endure pain or hardship without showing their feelings or complaining. And two, it's uh, considered a philosophical school. And as an adjective, you know, it can kind of look stoic. Or you could look kind of reminiscent or have that aesthetic. So definitely being able to endure pain and hardship is something you're going to have to do in life no matter what. And doing it without complaining is pretty good. But there's another side of stoicism is that when you're kind of in this mood, you can't enjoy things as much. So as we age, you should become more stoic. But if you... us being young right now and us, you know, a lot of us being young right now, um, being stoic is, is hard. You don't have the memories to look back on to lift you up through those hard times and you don't have the experience to get through <coughs> some of the extreme pains. So I overall think being stoic is a, is a pretty good thing. Um, the world does not care about your emotions. They, they really don't. And they, emotions hardly ever affect outcomes. I mean, uh, so it's it's good to be stoic, but it's more better to be, it's important to be stoic in a social aspect, but in private, it's not as important, you know, because you can kind of divulge in your own emotion and sort a lot of it out yourself. It's not that it, it's not that you don't care about your emotions, it's the world. So you kind of need to, you know, regulate that. But another aspect of it is, 
I mean, it kind of fits into my philosophy. If you see yourself as the kingdom of your own mind or a king of your own mind, you have to um, be almost like a warrior. You have to be willing to fight and willing to stand up to dark thoughts and uh, protect, you know, the people you think about. And also on that topic, I've been thinking Usually when it comes to stoicism, you kind of have two archetypes. You have people who are similar to knights. They're very loyal. They are first ones up to fight, um, will drop everything for you, big on action. They're fighters. And then you have the people who are kind of, I consider them to be wizards. They, they are definitely more into talking. They're more into figuring out future things, more into working out the bad things that happened. It's definitely more of a perceptive stoic. So, you know, those are kind of two archetypes I kind of see. And uh, that typically tend to come out in, in when people are considered to be stoic. So those are, that's kind of like my thoughts on that. Um, probably will st- go back to this at some point, but I just found it interesting and a nice thing to talk about. So, yeah. Okay, quick brief uh, discussion on Tate, strictly on legal proceedings. I'm going to go over what I would do as the defense, and I'm going to go over what I would do as the prosecutor. So let's start with the prosecution first. So the first thing I would try to maintain as a prosecution is I would try to build a case. Look, this is also me presuming that there is I don't have access to all the evidence, and I'll be assuming that they have certain pieces of evidence. So first, I want to build a case completely offline. So I don't want to take into anything Tate has said online, none of that. If I could build a case on human trafficking from that, I know I can get them for sure. So what I want to do is I want, I would have put them under surveillance. I want to know when and where they're leaving the house. I would have, if they were under surveillance, I would have definitely liked to know how many girls. I want to know how much they were being paid. I want to know what their housing situation was. I want to know how they got to Romania. And I want to know how long they've been in Romania. And I want to have... Yeah, I would go for chat logs, but I definitely would have set up surveillance video. And I also would have tried to set up a wire. Now, they had six months to do this investigation. So I'm assuming they have some of that evidence. And if they have hard evidence, then it's case closed. Now, let's step down a little bit further. Let's say that the only evidence they have is witness claims, uh, WhatsApp messages, and the judge allows online uh, evidence to be permissible. Then I would uh, basically draw from the online videos. The online videos are enough to at least incriminate him on some things on maybe a few of the victims but in this case the charges are I don't think he would be able to be he would lose some and win some so I think there's not much to go on the rape charge so I'm gonna go ahead and say that that's probably gonna get dropped now human trafficking and criminal organization criminal organization might stick depending on taxes and stuff I don't know exactly how he has that set up And so the real big one is human trafficking. And if we go with the things that have been presented online, um, 
it's it's pretty good. It's going to be pretty damning in the sense that like corrosion, corro- coercion and fraud. Uh, fraud. So like, let's take the Tinder swindler. Right. So he definitely lost civilly, but his big thing was because of fraud. Right. So he was faking passports and doing on that. I don't think they're going to get Tate on that. I think they're going to try to get him on coercion. Now, <sighs> coercion is going to be weird because, one, I'd have to prove that he was the one sending those messages. And two, I'd have to prove that the threat of violence was real. And three, I'd have to prove that the women didn't have any knowledge or prior knowledge of what Tate was <coughs> up to, which might be hard considering he lives such a public life. So now... That's kind of how I would go about it as the prosecutor. I would definitely try to hit all those levels of proof. The problem is, is beyond a doubt. So as the defense, first things first, I would try to get rid of online evidence by citing contradictions. I'm assuming that online video evidence of like on YouTube is going to be similar to like the way we judge lyrics, which for them to be admissible in court, I'm pretty sure they need to present information that only that is like specific to the case and only they would know, which I think is going to be hard to do considering Tate has so much online evidence. They're going to try to compare the character of Tate from private to online, but I don't think in any legal proceeding that that's going to stand up. And then, so one, that's the biggest thing is if I can get the online videos to be dismissed then i'm gonna do that second i would try to prove that tate didn't send those messages if tate doesn't send the text messages and he says it was an associate of his at his business then what are they gonna do and finally i would bring as many witnesses character witnesses as i possibly can to the courthouse to try to uh establish that i was running a credible business and then finally uh as the defense i would try to uh really argue the case that the transportation of the victims was voluntary and no, uh, no, like no coercion was set there because if we if the trafficking part comes from really the transportation otherwise this is pretty similar to like okay well I shouldn't say it's similar to OnlyFans because well it depends right so if if you get proposition to do sex work to make money um and it's a yes or no and you choose to say yes without there being any coercion or violent tactics then you're it, it, I, I would assume it's similar to OnlyFans unless like while you're working the job becomes exploitative too but that that's probably what I would I would do here if I was the defense is to raise as much reasonable doubt, I would get all the online evidence thrown out. <clears throat> then I would uh, bring character witnesses. And then I would also like try to bring records of the company to show that these women were paid. So like, as uh, you really want to develop as much as like develop the idea that what was going down wasn't um, – non-consensual and that these are like disgruntled workers that's that's kind of the corporate like the way you go for which is not gonna lie it's kind of slimy i mean this defense is gonna be it's gonna be difficult uh if i'm being honest like 
I think this whole situation, like, I think a lot of prominent figures, I think to get rich or to get a lot of money, you probably have to do some wrong things, like murdering people, selling drugs. And to this level of sex trafficking, like, Romania is notorious. Like, even a, a lot of Eastern uh, Europe is notorious, and even Germany especially is notorious for legal sex work. And uh, there's a lot... Now, now this is, I'm going to qualify this claim. Listen to the disclaimer at the beginning. This is discourse. Now, if you're in an area where everyone's selling heroin and you choose to sell meth, no, and you choose to sell weed, are you as guilty as the other people? Probably not, right? So I think there is some discretion here. I mean, it ultimately depends on me too. Like if these women were making like millions of dollars and keep in mind Tate employed up to like 70 women. And if they were making like good money, reasonable dollars, and it was just a stringent work environment. Yeah, that's wrong. And there might be some legal ramifications for that, for running like a very strict business, like maybe some assault charges. But to be honest, I don't think that there's enough to, uh, like fully qualify him as like a, bad person or an intrinsic human being. I'll, I'll put it like bad people tend to get to power and Tate may, may actually be a heinous person, but I mean, I'm not going to hold, look at him the same as way as I looked at Epstein or someone else. It's very unique in this case, but Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it's still really up in the air. We really need more evidence. And I'm going to also stand on that. I'm going to wait for more evidence to come out. But as of right now, I still have a lot of reasonable doubt. And we definitely need to remember innocent until proven guilty. That is definitely a standard we should uphold and not take too fast to getting rid of. But I do see the intricacies of, uh, like... If we're going by the court of public opinion, Tate has basically lost. There's not much I can argue for the like. There's just too much evidence of him being rough and like, um, like aggressive with women. Even if they're just rumors, there's there's a lot. You know what I'm saying? But there's also things in his media that promotes to protecting women. So maybe he had a fundamental change in thinking later. I believe people can change, but. Really, I'm on edge here. I mean, we're waiting until the 27th, so there's a lot of time for them to find and gather more evidence and to refine things. So I'm not sure if he prepared. I'm not sure if he's like, well, he seems very, very, very confident in getting off, but this might be a magic bullet. Like, the I think the smallest contingency or like smallest possibility that has some legitimacy is that because Dicot is specific, is very strongly influenced by the U.S. They people some people could be pulling some strings to try to get him silenced. I mean, uh, we do have an election year coming up, and maybe they acted early, but it's very strange. But yeah, that's kind of like my legal representation of it right now. Somebody you know, hit me up, wanted me to give a little bit more details on what I thought. And, you know, that's what I did. Uh, Also looking to the judge's document, they do need, the prosecutor does need to present more evidence. And I do agree, but 
in that sense, not that much more needs to be found and presented. Also, if Georgina snitched one of Tate's enforcers, supposedly, then he's likely going down. So we'll see. Maybe a time thing, maybe uh under the prison thing, we will see. But yeah, once again, once want to say that this is a one man's actions being put on trial, not his beliefs. And I mean, his belief system is viable. It's it's not um like I I'll I'll say this. The forty one tenets of Tate uh that he presented are, are viable tenets. I, I don't think I agree, disagreed with uh uh, I might have disagreed with some of them, but I guess the majority of them I did agree with. So, I mean, don't be offended by things. This, I mean, Tate's only in the news because he does offend people. Um, but I think to live in a world like you have to be willing to take certain jabs. Like if I was if I wanted to get rid of racism, I have to be willing to talk to racists. It's just it is what it is. So, yeah, remember, discourse is good. But thought I might let you guys in on the details that I've kind of ascertained so far, go through a full legal process. Because if we're not, if we're talking non-legal process, like, and we're just doing by my public opinion, yeah, I think Tate did some things wrong. And I think, like, these, the women who were wrong definitely um, should be compensated and helped. But, like, this is the real world, dude. Like, they're not dead. They're, like, still mostly functional. Um, they probably made money. In that sense. So I think, yeah, there is wrongs done. Um, but does it condemn him for life? No. And if you compare, like, to a lot of other people who became rich and famous doing other things, there's worse. But, you know, I am talking about this from a biased perspective. That That is my own bias. Um, I do feel sympathetic for the victim, the potential victims. But to me, it's like... People were sold crack cocaine like some people were literally murdered uh, on the come up. I mean, there's been millions of lives ruined due to other people's like business ventures and things. This is not the worst, but it is it does look bad. And it, it publicly it, it's game over. <coughs> so. See, here's the thing. I don't want to come off as if. I am super pro-Tate or super anti-Tate. I'm trying to establish that I see his philosophy. I agree with some things, disagree with some things. And I think he brings up an important discussion. And I, I like it's interesting. I'm curious is what I would like to say. And I, I don't really trust the government either. So there's a lot of things playing into my assessment of this. So, yeah, I mean, let me know. If you know me personally, let me know what you think. Let me know about other things I can talk about. thought this would be a decent way to wrap up uh, this week's cast because I know some of y'all don't want to hear it. Some of y'all do, so I'll, I'll put it at the end. But, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, catch me next week. All right. For music, I'd like to highlight Sayari the Kid. Uh, I mean, in the five categories, uh, metaphors, they're okay. I wouldn't say the best. Flow on point vocab on point storytelling ability could be improved um wordplay on point um and vocab on point so 
I really, I mean, he's definitely a backpack rapper, has kind of a East Coast, uh, Southern style, um, kind of a soul spitter. Definitely fuck with, uh, the song I probably fuck with the most is New Primo and Guru. That's that's probably the good starting point. And then branch out from there. You can kind of get a feel of how he raps, what he likes to rap about. Um, definitely on the come up. Not super popular, but definitely not bad. So definitely go check uh, go check him out. Let me know what y'all think. Um, yeah, I just really enjoy his music and it, it's lit. So hopefully you guys do too. Uh, so yeah, um been trying to get into more R&B, might start doing a rap and R&B song of the week just so that uh have a little bit more to talk about, kind of spread the dimensions a little bit because I guess a lot of the music I listen to is a pretty niche culture. I mean, rap has a lot of fans, but not a lot of people like dive into music like I do. Uh so yeah. Uh also, we'll bring up like it's very uh rhythm is uh, very spiritual. I'll have to touch back on that. But yeah, that's that's for it for music.